Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to Tribe Supper live on the Gazette Brother Facebook page and later on our podcast channel. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, and you can see that the Dream team, which usually consists of myself, Craig Johns, and Dom Shaw, but do say so myself, is down to just two. Me and Craig today, because Dom is off on uh, a well-earned few uh, days break, so I'm not sure if he's going away. I'm sure he'll have all eyes on the game against Bristol City this weekend, though. But we're going to go back, Craig, to earlier this week when Borough beat Derby 4-1. A brilliant result. Um, I think many people maybe expected Borough to win, but you know you couldn't um, write off Dor because they, they, they were one of these teams where you can never quite sure what team's going to turn up. They'd had a decent result against Hull in the build-up to the game. What did you make of Borough's win? Yeah, I think I think you're you're ultimately you spot on there with Derby. We there you are, of course, in a false position, aren't they? Because of the twenty-one point deduction, uh, all of their kind of off-field struggles. Um, you know, to to credit Wayne Rooney, he, he has done a fantastic job there. And if he took those point deductions out of the equation, there would be a mid-table championship side. And they are very much a typical championship mid-table side, i.e. inconsistent, uh, on the day capable of beating anybody, um, not on the day capable of losing to anybody and 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 that's the thing that I think Chris Wilder's came to stress about every opponent that Middlesbrough have come up against in this division the the team at the very bottom could beat you know the team at the very top if it's that team's the and it's not the other team's day, you've got to be constantly on it and that's why Chris Wilder is driving these standards up at Middlesbrough because he knows ultimately to get the amount of points that will be required the standards have to be on point every game uh, and yeah it was it was as you say another really really encouraging and positive day for Middlesbrough off the back of you know the 2-2 draw at QPR which was um, you know up there with the best performances of the season um, so far but only yielded a point for Borough. So important, I think, more than anything, then to go into the Derby game, a team that Borough on the day should be beaten and beaten. You know, they came away with those three points, which was the most important thing. But I think, you know, so many positives to take from that, not least the fact that they did score four goals in that game. It was the first time since December 2020 that they've scored four in a game. Uh, so really positive in that aspect, particularly after Chris Wilder had noted that uh, before the game that he was confident the goals would come, the chances were coming, the finishing, um, you know, Burry just hadn't been quite as clinical uh, as, as what they should have been in recent weeks. So to see four goals, three in the first half, um, you know, that was really, really encouraging. Another another kind of sign of the character in the team as well, Um I felt it was another performance, not quite as crisp, not quite as uh, you know, as as high in tempo as the QPR um, draw in midweek, but nevertheless, still a very dominant performance. Borough was still the team in the ascendancy, in control of possession, dictated the tempo. Uh, Wilder just felt it was a little bit sloppy at times in possession in comparison to QPR. 
but I still felt like Borough were by far the better team. They took the lead on 15 minutes and, and, and only ever looked like the team winning the game. But, you know, the, another sign of that character within the team that suffered the setback, which to me kind of came out of nothing, really. Um, 1-1, one, one, there was six minutes left of the first half. And you think somehow, despite absolutely dominating this game, you winning at the break level, then a goal on 44 minutes, a goal on 45 plus minutes, uh, and, and and suddenly you're not going in level, you're going in 3-1 and you've got a bit of breathing space too. So um, by the time half time hit, I was struggling to breathe. There was that many goals flying in, but uh, but Burra had breathing space. And, and from there, it was a, you know, good, an open second half where Derby understandably came out and, and, and you know, were trying all they could to get back into the game. That gave Borough freedom to go down the other end, and they had plenty of chances. Um, your Florent Balogun, in particular, looked very impressive in the second half. Um, and, uh, and and yeah, ultimately, what more coming on the pitch and scoring with his first touch to make it four-one. So you know, everyone leaves the Riverside happy, apart from of course the travelling Derby fans. Uh, you know, I think significant in in what everything that's happened off the pitch as well between the two football clubs. Uh, you know, good that for Borough fans that, that, that their team got those bragging rights and uh, yeah, three points, goals, so many positives to take. One hundred percent, and I think one name we we have to speak about is is Connolly. Got a goal. He's had a lot of stick over recent weeks, and it's it's a bit surprising given he only joined the club um what last month, didn't he on loan? Um, yeah. what did you make of his performance? Really nice to see him get a goal. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the goal capped off what was a, a fantastic performance uh, from him. His best. Uh, for the borough so far, and interesting to hear him talking after with uh, with BBC T's. Uh, you know, he admitted himself that it's it's been a slow start. He said he wouldn't hide away from that fact, and and indeed he'd been messaging Chris Wilder about that too. Uh, but you know, he absolutely worked his socks off in the game. He pressed well. He was full of energy. He worked the channels. He looked to get in behind. He wanted to make things happen when he was on the ball. Uh, and yeah, as you see, he got that goal somewhat fortuitous, of course, with the, the huge deflection. But as it stands, it, it doesn't look like it's been taken off him. Uh, I've been checking the dubious goals panel website on a daily basis. And, and certainly as of yet, there's nothing uh, to suggest that they're going to take that off him. And, and, you know, whether or not it would have been the initial shot would have been on target or not which is officially the rules. I, I hope he does get the goal because, you know, he's, his overall performance on the day warranted that. And, you know, we said a few times on this podcast and, and beyond, you know, the comments come in a lot and, and Chris Wilder was strong on this too. And, you know, ultimately we were judging Connolly on, on very little game time. And it was it was easy to forget that, you know, not just it, we would always say a year, but it's actually two years. He's not played very much football at all. Uh, you know, out of the picture at Brighton and, and kind of off off field issues affecting his time there at, at the Amex. And um, yeah, he, he needed that bit of time, I think, to come in, get himself up to speed. And, and he spoke in these T's interview about confidence as well. That was a big thing. Uh, and, and and in general, just linking with players, that was one of the biggest disappointments, I think, of, of you know, his previous appearances for Borough was that his link-up player wasn't particularly very good and, and a lot of attacks were breaking down where he was maybe trying a thing or two, a flick, etc. And it just wasn't coming off, whereas it was particularly pleasing on Saturday that that, that link-up player looked a lot better and that work rate looked a lot better. And, and clearly what we saw on Saturday was a player growing and you know becoming a bigger part of the group 
the group becoming more used to what he likes as a player and also that fitness, that match sharpness, getting to where it needs to be. And as I say, you know, the goal, you know, capped off and, and was well-deserved for a brilliant performance from him. Were you surprised that he started up front with Balogun, who also had a great game, as you've mentioned, he got an assist as well in the final goal. So were you surprised that those two started together? Yeah, I was. Yeah, and I mean, um, you, I know we'll we'll come on to speak about Isaiah Jones, who got uh, the 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 three assists in the first half. But uh, well, uh, we need to talk about that Balogun assist because that is uh, that was wonderful to watch. Uh, you know, I'll come about from initially what more pressing, and then Balogun getting in on the on the press as well, and that's always great to see the two strikers pressing uh, in that manner. And uh, and then for Balogun to to win the ball back like he does in the penalty area, and then you know it, it looks wonderful, uh, you know, in slow motion. It really does look wonderful in slow motion as he does that little back heel flick back into the centre towards Watmore to, to tap in. Um, it, it looks wonderful in slow motion, but then actually to consider that in real time. Uh, you know, in the pressure of the game, he's just won the ball back. It, to to have that vision to 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 spot what more first, and then to have the execution to pull pull the trick off in the way that he did, uh, a wonderful assist. And uh, and as I said, deserved for him as well because, as you see, two brilliant performances. But was I surprised that the ball started? I, I was, to be honest, because of course. You know, Burrow had played so well at QBR, and we we know the finishing was could have been better. But I thought Duncan Watmore was brilliant at QBR, uh, coming back into the team. I I did, if I'm honest, expect one change. Uh, although this was the first time under Chris Wilder that uh, Andres Borrow hasn't started a league game. I did expect sometime soon he would be coming out here because we know Wilder does like rotation with his strikers. He asks a lot of them in terms of, you know, that press and the work rate. And, and we know he pays a lot of attention to kind of, uh, you know, fitness and, and, and the sports science side of things. So just from a general kind of point of, 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 you know, protecting Andres Barrar and, and not, and making sure his body and his muscles don't go through too much. I did kind of expect that change would be coming sometime soon. And, you know, he did miss a couple of big chances at QPR, that's got to be said. But uh, for the both to change, I was quite surprised. But, uh, you know, a master stroke really from Chris Wilder because they were both brilliant, both had points to prove and, and you know, helped Burra massively get a, a big 4-1 victory on the day. I've just re-watched the assist there. That's why my facial expression was not in agreement as Craig was making this point. That's canny, that's a canny little assist. And I've just seen a clip there from the from a from a fan who's filmed this from the from his viewpoint from the stand. It's an it's an even better clip than the than the actual TV replay. So yes, beautiful I've not assist. Seen that one, actually. I've not I'll seen send it to you it. later yeah. on. Um we mentioned Jones there. Look, we we spoke last week about how good he was doing and why. Um, the attention on Spencer Forrest was, you know, wasn't telling the full picture from those who don't follow Middlesbrough, and it was another, it was another point proven by, by, by Jones. You know, he's just getting better with each and every game, and I, I guess Craig, the, the question is, is how, how does he continue to improve like that? while also keeping his feet on the ground. Because, you know, in football, we've seen before youngsters who, or young players who hit the ground like this and they get all this plaudits, it can sometimes go to the head. Is that something you think Wilder's got to maybe look to keep a handle on just, just to keep Jones a little bit grounded? 
I think we've lost Craig, actually. He seems to have frozen, which is always the issue when you go live. Let me just see if I can get him back. Hold on. Don't go anywhere, Middlesbrough fans. He has frozen. But as we mentioned there, Jones, um, absolutely brilliant there against Derby and plenty of uh, pundits, especially on a, on a national point of view, asking why Spence has been allowed out on loan, given the way he's performing at Forest. And Jones continues to show just why Spence had to go away for first-team football. Um, let me just try and re-add Craig in. No, he's disappeared. So give it, give it a couple of minutes and we'll get Craig back on. Um, a lot of people in the comments talking about Spence and and um, oh, sorry about Jones rather, and you can you can you can understand why. Uh, I think the whole defense is, is looked quite good under Wild. I know Fry is another one being mentioned here in the comments. Looking the defense is looking really solid. And who would have thought Middlesbrough in the position they are in now when Wilder took over? You know, there's been a few turnarounds this season in the championship. Um, Cooper Down of Forest is one, obviously, where uh, Jed Spence is. He's he's performed miracles, but Wilder is also up there and, and chasing down um, the top teams. I think we've got Craig back in. Let me just see here. There we go. I was just at you disappeared. Yeah. Um, Typical as thinking. you're live, the internet just went from nowhere. I don't know why that happened. It just cut out. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I was asking about you about uh, Isaiah Jones and, and keeping his feet grounded. Whose responsibility is that? Is and what, what what do you understand about him as a player? Is he is he a kind of player who just it won't it won't go to his head? Do you think? Yeah, well, I think you know. Ultimately, we we spoke uh, in with Aaron Connolly about confidence and about how important you know that is for a football player. And 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 our, and Isaiah Jones is playing with you know so much confidence at the moment, and 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 rightly so as well because uh, you know he just consistently continues to be brilliant week in week out, and he's. Uh, you know, I described him as Burrow's locksmith in a in a piece this week because he is consistently the player who Burrow rely on to unlock defenses, uh, and and he just keeps coming up with the goods week in week out. And you know, it's it's not just the same movement each time either. He can he can if you give him enough time, or sorry, if you get close enough to him, he can just do a little bit of skill, unlock, uh, unleash his pace, and beat you quite easily, uh, as we saw with um, with the second goal. On uh, against Derby, or was it the third? No, the third. Sorry, the third goal, Mark Crooks's goal. Uh, but but also, if you give him space and try and stand off, so he doesn't have the opportunity to beat you, he has the ability now, and he is improving his final ball, so he can pick a pass like the one he picked for Aaron Connolly, uh, and and Aaron Connolly, um, you know, then sticks it in the back of the net, albeit by a, by a big deflection. So that side of his game is coming on so much, that end product. And, and as I say, the, his ability to beat a man uh, is, is absolutely fantastic. I think in terms of keeping his feet on the ground, you know, I mean, you know, you, you've got to strike that right balance. I mean, you don't want him to get too carried away. Absolutely not. You want him to keep his feet on the ground. But also you don't want to kind of knock that confidence. You don't want to... Uh, you know, you want to make sure he does believe he can beat everybody. You want him, you want him to know whoever he comes up against on Saturday, you know, he can beat him. You want that drummed into him from from the start to have that confidence to to try it, try something, and, and and try and beat him every time because that's what Isaiah Jones does. And you know what's particularly pleasing about him in this wing back role that he's playing for Borough as well is he doesn't shirk the defensive 
uh, responsibilities. Uh, I know a, a lot more of his game is about the attacking side of it, but nevertheless, there are times when he does need to get back. He does need to get a tackle in, uh, and, and and he uses his pace very well to do that. So very very encouraging how he's playing at the moment. And uh, and as I say, the fact that this is. You know, he's 22 year old. This is his first season in the championship. His only prior senior experience was back when he was still playing for uh, Tooting and Mitchum before he joined Borough. And then last season, when he had six months on loan at Queen of the South, um, you know, admittedly thrived in both of them. But they're a long way off the standards, with all due respect to both of those clubs. They're a long way off the standards of Borough and the championship. So for to come this season and do what he's doing on a consistent basis and, and as I say, almost take the responsibility of of being the man who unlocks defences for Borough, which he consistently does. You know, I think I don't think you can praise him enough. I know there's the big joke at the moment around Borough about, you know, being quiet about him and, and keeping him quiet, etc. But you know, the the, the more he does what he's doing, the, the 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 more impossible it is to do that. Unfortunately, he is just everybody starting to take notice. And you know, indeed, Wayne Rooney noted on, on Saturday that you know they tried to come up with a plan, uh, which was essentially a plan uh, because they knew that Isaiah Jones was the danger man. So they tried to keep extra players up the pitch in the hope it would force Jones back and 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 not have him, you know, as big an attacking threat. But it it, it worked. You know the opposite way. Other players dealt with that and allowed Isaiah Jones to to still do the attacking, and and with extra players committed to the attack themselves, Isaiah Jones found extra space and and exploited it in the way that he does. Uh, so I think in that sense, you appreciate that. You know, Chris Wilder's noted this himself a couple of times. The players around Isaiah Jones are also due credit because they're allowing Isaiah Jones to do what he does. Um, but on top of that, also a credit to Isaiah Jones that, you know, these these clubs and players like people like William Rooney, who was as good a player as he was, are identifying him now and, and thinking we need to come up with a plan to try and stop him. To his credit, Blackburn was probably the only side who managed that so far. Um, but what what was what was you know unique if you like about the Blackburn game is that Borough were just off completely in that Blackburn game so a big part of that and, and a big strength of having an Isaiah Jones in your team is that usually on your off nights Isaiah Jones is a player who can unlock a defense out of nothing so even if you're not playing very well get the ball to Jones and he'll do something on that night Blackburn paid particular attention to him so he wasn't able to do that now, even when teams, other teams are going to do that, of course they are. But the difference is that we didn't have at Blackburn that we need to have going forward and we have since. is that balance. Borough are better in possession. The, the pass the ball about control possession, dictate the tempo and therefore stretch teams, which creates extra space for Isaiah Jones to exploit. Or alternatively, they have better attacking impetus on the left-hand side of the pitch. That was a particular problem which we did highlight at Blackburn. It's improved a lot since Neil Taylor's been, you know, looking very well since that game. He's been gradually improving. Uh, we noted Connolly, we mentioned earlier, his link-up play a lot broke down with him. Uh, that's improved and also Balogun's come into the team on that side and, and being excellent, linked up well. Marcus Tavernier has been playing out of his skin lately on that left-hand side. And, and so all that, you know, combines to, to create this stretching of the pitch, to, to stretch teams and it makes it harder for them to 
you know, focus on Jones. If they do focus too much on Jones, they're exploited in another area of the pitch. If they then realise there's that danger on that side of the pitch and try and, you know, cover there, that leaves more space for Isaiah Jones and suddenly the, the switch and, and and he becomes a danger again. And and that's why this is working so well for Borough now, other than that Blackburn game where, you know, they didn't get it right. When they do get it right, you see what you saw against Derby on Saturday and that is, you know, exploiting teams, cutting them open quite simply and, and, and scoring four goals. We've got Sean here in the comments who says, it's time for Jones and Spence to leave. We need as much as we can get from them too. Um, so, I mean, I guess the argument there would be come the summer, Chris Wilder might well be thinking, I mean, if you presented that idea to Chris Wilder now, he might well say, well, we, we, we hope to be in the Premier League come the summer. So why would we sell, you know, at least one of those as is, is a first team regular? Why would we sell our best players? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that that would be the the argument on Isaiah Jones. I think I, I could, I don't, I don't think Borough would be considering selling Isaiah Jones unless, and you know, and we know this particularly with the model uh, that that Borough now have, it would take you know stupid money to get some of the important players out because they are building something, uh, and they are working towards something. But if stupid money were to come in then of course you would consider that. And the important thing in a model like the one that Middlesbrough are now working in is that you do have targets. You do have, you know, essentially Middlesbrough will have a database of, of players, if you like, a shortlist of players for each position. Uh, and so, for example, if, I don't know, somebody comes in with 15 plus million for deal fry in the summer, they'll have somebody on a shortlist who they think, right, okay, this guy can come in for, for, for example, 7 million. We've made, you know, profit on deal fry and still got an adequate replacement. And that's the kind of model that Borough will now look to work in, uh, where, you know, and that's ultimately how they'll become eventually over time a sustainable running club uh, through the transfer business. So so effectively, you know, if, if silly money was to come in for Isaiah Jones in the summer, they the would, in effect, have people on a short list who they could bring in. Um, but yeah, I think the way the club are running at the moment, the the ambition that they still have, um, you know, whether they go up or not, I think they'll be looking to keep hold of Isaiah Jones this summer. Whereas Jed Spence, on the other hand, you know, I think they'll be hoping, well, they are hoping to get a decent offer for him in the summer uh, to sell him on. Um, we've got a first look at Riley McGree. What did you make of him? Obviously, it's been a long wait for Borough fans to get a look at him in their colours, obviously, he has played in the Championship prior. But what did you make of, of his performance? Yeah, he, w- he was very bright. As I say, he came on at a time when um, it was an interesting part of the game. Borough were 3-1 up. Um, and um, the game was very open in a sense that Derby were really going for it. Borough haven't, uh, at some points, managed the game, but then also looked on the counter. So, you know, it meant that ultimately there was a there was a kind of onus on on transitioning and, and getting the ball into the final third quicker than they might normally uh, because of the the way that the game was there, was then stretched. But yeah, there were some bright moments for him. He, he worked hard. Uh, you know, he did the defensive duties he needed to do. And um, and he looked good in possession when he did get on, in possession. Of course, it's been, a as you mentioned, like a difficult start for him. He's been at the club a month now, but uh, 
he didn't get his paperwork through to make his debut at, at Redden in time, then got called up for international duty. Then while on international duty, he got COVID and, and was isolated in a hotel for, for a seven days. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure this hasn't been the kind of uh, first month at Burry would have hoped for, but listen, he's a he's a young boy. He's a huge asset of the club. We speak about assets and the club wanting assets, and he is a huge one. Uh, a bit of a coup, really, for the club. I would say to sign him when when a club like Celtic were also in for him, and uh, you know the Celtic manager is somebody who who's known McGree for a long time, having been the Australian national team manager and having called him up. Uh, when he was just the 18 year old for a national senior squad so there was history between those two and despite that McGree chose Middlesbrough because we he was actually up for interview this morning and he spoke about that decision and the fact that you know he saw Borough's plan he saw you know that Borough had those ambitions to get back to the Premier League and he shares those ambitions he likes the plan he believes in the plan and that ultimately made his decision to turn down Sally and come to Middlesbrough an easy one. Um, yeah, we, we know there's a, the, he's a talented boy and I'm sure, you know, there'll be much more to see from Riley McGree and, and, and a very exciting future for him at the club. Fingers crossed. Uh, just a word on, on Martin Piero um, and the latest with him. Yeah, that was the one negative to come out of, uh, of Saturday, unfortunately, a brilliant game, but um he, he of course you know got injured and stretched off late on in the in the midweek draw at QPR and in the pre-match press conference uh, Chris Wilder didn't know how long it was going to be that they needed a scan but the swelling needed to go down um in the in the next 24 hours they obviously did get a scan done and and asked after that derby win about the scan uh, Chris Wilder said unfortunately it is a bad one for his ankle um he, he he just he didn't put a time scale on it he couldn't put a time scale on it because he he's needing to see a specialist now i'd imagine we'll get an, an update uh in tomorrow's pre-match press conference on and on hopefully getting an exact time frame but but he essentially said it's not a two to four week job uh so you know you're looking at at least a couple of months uh for martin piero which is a huge shame you know he's we all know he's a talented boy he signed in the summer from Banfield, having been one of the stars of of the Argentinian. They, they kind of ran a cup competition instead of a league, uh, the Diego Maradona Cup, during COVID times. And, and he was kind of the star of that as, as Banfield shot many to get to the final. And, uh, you know, there were teams like Inter Milan, River Plate, uh, Boca Juniors looking at Martin Piero and he kept Middlesbrough. So naturally, a lot of fanfare there for him signing. Um it's been difficult for him. He's a young boy. He didn't know English when he joined the club. It's a complete new culture on and off the pitch for him, and he, he has took time to settle. In, in the ta- in the games we have seen him, particularly he had that three-game stretch under, under Neil Warnock, and it, it coincided with a three, three-game three winning run under Neil Warnock. Uh, I think that was, was it early, maybe back end of September, early October. Thinking back, um, he cost scored at Cardiff during that run, and, and he really did look the bee's knees then. You could see that quality. Um, you could understand exactly why the clubs I've just mentioned were interested in him. Um but, you know, it, it has been difficult off the back of that. That was three games in a week, something he's not quite used to. The Championship, a, a very physical league, of course. He picked up a niggling injury and, and not long after that, uh, Neil Warnock left and Chris Wilder come in. And, and so Martin Piero was on the on the, on the the shelf when, when Wilder first came in and 
And that means he didn't have an opportunity to kind of give that positive first impression. Wilder comes in, we know he likes to stick with a trusted side. He he settled on a trusted side quite early. And, you know, by the time Piero came back, Matt Crooks, who is essentially his main competition for the spot in, a, in the starting eleven. It's been playing out of his skin. He's he's been the signing of the season for Borough without a doubt. Um, so yeah, really really big shame for Martin that he then you know by all accounts was due to start at Sheffield United, uh, and of course that game ended up being called off because of COVID because of the COVID outbreak. Uh, another setback for him there, and because of COVID himself, he couldn't play in the FA Cup game at Mansfield, which would have more than likely been a game he would have played in. Um, yeah, so just a real shame for him. He's just, you know, had setback after setback in his time at Borough. Um, and, you know, ultimately, again, we use that word asset and he is a huge asset for the football club. It's This, this is a shame. I really hope it isn't too serious and we do get to see him again uh, this season, at least, towards the back end. But, it, but even if we don't, uh, the focus for Martin is on you know, getting himself back to fitness pre-season will definitely be a big one for him because, of course, he came in late, having been at the Olympics. You know, he'll have a full pre-season this summer and I'm sure next season, you know, we'll see a completely different side to him. Well, we wish Martin um, a speedy recovery, as I'm sure all you guys listening and watching do as well. Before we have a brief look at the Bristol City game, we'll dive into a few comments on our Facebook page here. Um, and we've got one here from David Gibb, and he asks, do you think Housen will be offered a new deal? Can't see Bamba or Peltier staying here next season. Yeah, interesting one from David. And we, we uh, Chris Wilder was asked about uh, out-of-contract players just last week. Um, nothing on the table for any of them yet, essentially. Wilder's attitude was, let's get to the end of the season. The experienced boys know the score. Um, they've got plenty to play for. The club's got plenty to play for. So let's get to the end of the season. Um, I I agree with David on Housen. Um, I think he will be the one who definitely gets a new deal. I'd be very very surprised if you know Housen, who was, you know, I, I could be wrong. No, he hasn't because he missed Black uh, Blackpool. But other than that, I think he's been a, a, a mainstay in Chris Wilder's team, and he's he's been brilliant as well. He had a, a difficult start of the season under Neil Warnock, where he was at times, you know, exposed and uh, and quite isolated in the midfield, and therefore overran in midfield. But since Wilder come in and there's been balance in that mid- midfield, Johnny Housen has been excellent, and, and Chris Wilder praised him for that last week as well. Um, I know I think he's 33 now. I think he'll turn 34 at the start of next season. Uh, but, you know, he's still got the legs um, in a team like this that play the way they do. He's got so much composure on the ball. He reads the game so well. And they are qualities that you need to play the role that he plays in Chris Wilder's team. Um, do I think the summer might be the time where they look to kind of, if you like, make an improvement or make a long-term acquisition for that role in the team? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Uh, it's one of the few positions in Borough squad now where they don't have two options per position. Uh, so I would imagine that is a target in the summer. 
but is Johnny Housen worth another 12-month contract to, you know, be competition for that role? Absolutely, I think he is. Bamber and Peltier, you know, we don't know. There were Neil Warnock signings, we know that, but both have been very influential, both on and off the pitch, to be fair, under Chris Wilder too. You know, both have incredible experience. We know the leaders in the dressing room and we know Chris Wilder, you know, likes that as well as as Neil Warnock did. Um and that's one thing Borough don't have a lot of in the squad is, is leaders and characters in the dressing room like that. Um, so I think they have as much, you know, kind of importance to Borough off the pitch as they do on it. But, you know, to be fair to both of them, when they've been called upon, when they've come on or when they've play, been needed to play, they've both, you know, done a job. Um, you know, are they going to be the strongest players Borough could possibly have? You know, nor are they going to be as good as the player in front of them currently in the starting eleven. Nor, but are they reliable? Yes. Are they good characters? Yes. Uh, you know, do they help Burrow off the pitch and in the dressing room? One hundred percent. So again, uh, it a lot could depend on on you know what's available in the market. Wilder will want the options in the squad. Uh, certainly, Peltier is quite a versatile player as well, which always helps. Um, if there are guaranteed upgrades potentially they will be moved on. Uh, if not, then to me, they're, they're very good backup players and, and influential dressing room uh, dressing room, you know, characters to have. I think the big thing with Bamba as well, separate to, to Pelletier, uh, Bamba has really kind of, you know, if you like, kind of taken on this love affair with the club as well. He, he's, he's found a love of this football club. The football club loves him. The fan base loves him. He's got an incredible story. And of course, on top of, you know, being a player, he is also a coach. He's done a lot of things with the academy as a coach since he's been here. And, and you know, perhaps it comes to that after what will ultimately be a very successful season for him, regardless of what happens with Borough, you know, what a story to get back playing, to score that penalty at Old Trafford, all the man of the matches he had, uh, particularly in the early half of the season, uh, just to, you know, come through what he's come through. This season will be a success story for Saul Bamba. It could be that he decides to call time in his career. And if he did, you know, after one would be delighted, I'm sure all Borough fans would be too if he were offered some kind of coaching role either with the first team or in the academy. And I, I certainly think he'd, he'd, he'd uh, you know, he'd, he'd commit to that role with every bit as much effort as he, he has done his playing role as well. Yeah, certainly one to watch. And I guess a lot of them decisions as well depends on what uh, division Millsborough are in, in next season. Um, just before we do get on to Bristol, I just want to put this comment, Craig, to you because I think... Um, Everyone watching, listening will definitely feel um, what Ron is saying here. And he says he's loving the atmosphere back at the Riverside now. Great to see fans coming back. Long may it continue up at the Borough. Can you put it better yourself? No, I think that puts it absolutely perfectly. I mean, there was an incredible atmosphere on Saturday, increased numbers, a lot to do with the fact that it was Derby and Derby brought a lot up. It made for a tasty atmosphere. But what was so pleasing as well was that, you know, from Borough's point of view, all of that chanting was, you know, it was in support of the club. It was in support of the chairman, Steve Gibson. Uh, and, and also, you know, it, it hasn't just been for that Derby game. It wasn't, you know that atmosphere has been around for a long time now and there's such a good feeling particularly since Chris Wilder has come in 
the fans are appreciating the style of football and the way that this Borough team are trying to conduct themselves on and off the pitch. It's got to be said, um, you know, the, we talk about, um, you know, Saul Bamba's story and the kind of the way that he's taken to the club and the club taken to him. Many individuals, Matt Crook's been another shining example of, of players very similar to that. There's just this really, really good feeling, air of positivity around the club right now, uh, you know, on the pitch, off the pitch, it all combines and it all, you know, it all matters. And I've heard many people, obviously it, it predates my time covering the club, but I've heard many people comparing it to that 2015-16 promotion winning season. And, and you know, that is always key to any success for a club, is that kind of unity around the club. Um, you, I, I, I can't imagine many clubs over the years will have had success, not just Middlesbrough, any club where, you know, will have had success where there, there isn't that unity, there isn't that togetherness, because it does play such a big part. You talk about the 12th man. Uh, it, it is huge. I know it's a cliche, but it is huge. And uh, yeah, it's amazing at the Riverside right now. Yeah, brilliant to see. And as uh, Ron said there, may, long may it continue on to Bristol then. You know, they, they had a decent first half by all accounts against Swansea, but Swansea's quality just, you know, came back through and Swansea ended up beating them 3-1. But, that you know, I guess like any club in the championship, Craig, they've always, always carried that little bit of threat. And no matter how good Nils were performing, they have to be on their toes. They have to be wary of, you know, of of Bristol the same they would, would any other team, really. Yeah, yeah, we spoke about that earlier in the podcast, didn't we? The fact that anybody can, can beat anybody on the D end and, you know, that if that sums up Bristol City more than anybody this season. I've been speaking, pardon me, I've been speaking to a colleague down in um, in Bristol earlier, and um, and uh, and he was kind of summing up their season in terms of um, you know they've they've never uh, lost more than three in a row. Uh, they've they've always lost two and then got a result, but equally they've never won two in a row. They've never won consecutive games all season. Um, and and so you know when, when you think about championship inconsistency, Bristol City summed that up more than anybody. A very strange team. Um, by all accounts, right now at this moment in time, um, as the Swansea game showed, very kind of you know lapse in defensively. Uh, Swansea scored three goals, and Nigel Pearson, expert player, of course, came out after the game and just simply said, "I'm sorry about our defending." Uh, which which summed up that game for them by all accounts. But equally, at the moment, apparently playing some very, very nice stuff in attack, looking very threatening in the final third. And uh, Antoine Semenyo, who uh, who had a little loan spell at Sunderland back when I was still covering the club and, and uh, looked an exciting player back then, is by all accounts absolutely thriving uh, at Ashton Gate this season. Um, their, their finances kind of dictating that they're needing to... Uh, to integrate youngsters and academy players a bit more uh, this season. And, and he is, by all accounts, one who is absolutely thriving. Um, so, yeah, so there'll be a tricky opposition on if if they're on it. Borough will have to be on it. And if Borough are on it, then they should leave with three points. Uh, but if Borough are slightly off it, um, Bristol City have, have you know, the, the capabilities, have the means of, of, of pulling off a result. Do we expect any changes from from Middlesbrough against Bristol? It'd be an interesting one. We know Wilder doesn't tend to make changes when he doesn't need to, other than up front. 
Um, and and unless tomorrow we hear that you know there's there's an unexpected injury or you know someone's gone down in training, then I would expect the the kind of further the furthest nine or the first nine you pick if you like uh, your your goalkeeper defensive midfield. I would expect those to be the same nine barring any uh, unknown injuries up front because Connolly and Balligan played so well. Uh, against Derby because they've then had a week-long break after it. Uh, I can't imagine there's a need to change them in terms of fitness and and, and therefore it would be uh, no surprise to me if it was the same 11 on Saturday. It's so tight, uh, you know, for the battle for that, especially that sixth place, you know, the, the last place in the playoff. Yeah. Middlesbrough can't, I mean, I don't want to sound too, um, too dramatic, but, you know, it, you, you look at it and you think, you can't be afford to slip up because there's so many teams just behind you, you know, within where win will see them leapfrog you. You've got to be looking to, to win most games, really, and especially a game like Bristol. For we've said they are playing some nice stuff going forward and they, they have their moments. They are closer to the bottom than they are the top. And and if you're Chris Wilder, I would be expecting him saying, look, this is a game that we really have to win if we've got serial, serious aspirations of getting in the Premier League next season. Yeah, absolutely. And that has to be the attitude as well. There are, you know, in terms of league position, in terms of strength of squad, uh, there are more difficult games to come between now and the end of the season. And, you know, that goes back to Chris Wilder setting those standards and, you know, on their day, Borough can compete with with you know anybody in this division regardless of where they are at the table but when they're not on the game they can leave themselves open and can um you know and, and, and can be exploited themselves so those standards have been set high by chris wilder for a reason and 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 absolutely you know it's a long trip down um by the sounds of it it's going to be awful conditions but um you know borough need to be on it from minute one against bristol city and and if they are they, they will have too much for bristol city how are they going to handle Wyman? I mean, he's got 15 goals this season for for a side which you would say is is struggling. That's not a bad tally. Yeah, he's uh, he's you know, criminally underrated, is how uh, our colleague in Bristol described him. Um, I'm sure Chris Wilder will have a plan. Um, it'll depend on on how they kind of line up exactly, but. Um, you know, I'd be confident in, in whether it was, um, I would imagine, will Chris Wood start up front for them? So Dale Fry will probably take on that physical battle. And then it'll be a case of, of one of Dyke Steele or Paddy McNair, possibly even Johnny House. And if Wyman's a little bit deeper, uh, taking on that kind of, of responsibility of then looking after him. And, you know, the way any three of those players are playing right now, you, you'd have to back them to, to do a job on him. How will it end? Are Borough going to get the three points? Yeah, I think so. I think um, by the sounds of it, Bristol City have the capabilities of of doing things in attack. So I don't think we'll see a clean sheet. But by the sounds of it, awful in defence, uh, capable of being cut open, Borough capable of cutting teams open and have that confidence from the goals against Derby. So I'll go for same as their result against Swansea. I'll go 3-1 Borough. So for fingers crossed, you are right. Safe travels, Craig, down to Bristol. And to you guys watching, listening, who are also making the trip, do keep safe. It does sound like it's going to be a horrendous trip down. If I'm not mistaken, the red warning, which is severe uh, weather warning, is very rare, and that has been placed on that area of the country. So yeah. um, hold on to your hats and scarves. <laughs> it's going to be a windy one by all accounts. 
Um, but we do wish you the safest of travels down. Head over to the Gazette website where Craig will bring you all the latest to do with Middlesbrough, including uh, the press conference, which is tomorrow, I believe. Tomorrow morning, yep. Tomorrow morning, there you go. So we'll bring you the uh, the live blog of that, everything that is said in the build-up to this game, and, of course, live coverage as well through the live blog on Saturday. As we said, have a safe travel down if you are heading down to Bristol. And please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast.